are now tuning in to your new favorite podcast where we talk about a little bit of everything. I'm your host, Rosie, and this is The Rosie Perspective. Now let's get into it. Hey, it's your girl, Rosie. I'm back with another episode of The Rosie Perspective. I am joined today by a guest all the way from the West Side, and I have JC from Hashtag Dad Swag Podcast on with me. Say what's up to the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we, <laughs> that's how we greet everybody from the Bay Area. What's going on, everybody? Yes, yes. I'm so glad to have you on here. Um, I mean, the listeners don't know, but you know, I heard you on Average Joe Podcast as a guest on with Troy. And I really enjoyed listening to that episode, so I asked you to come on to my platform, so I'm glad you agreed to come on. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you for uh, having me. Of course. Uh, Before we get into the questions that I have for you today, would you mind letting the listeners know a little bit about your podcast, a little bit about what you're about? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. First and foremost, again, thank you for inviting me. Uh, You know, it's some, some podcasters don't want to reach out to other podcasters for sake of pride or you know me i'm fully um supportive of collaboration so um this is this is awesome um but like you said my name is jc i'm from the bay area california um i i uh host the hashtag that's why podcast um basically um i'm a bit a- big advocate for um iron sharpening iron um i feel like uh you know dads statistically get a bad shake um when it comes to fatherhood and rightfully so if you look at the, the statistics of 19.6 million kids being fatherless um you know uh so um instead of changing that narrative i want to become the narrative i want and i want to bring fellow men along with me to become the new narrative you know um we have this common saying this change the narrative saying and it got cute for a while but how long is it going to be until we stop changing and become. So now I'm saying right. I am the narrative. I'm the new narrative. And so um, Iron Sharpens Iron is how I start off and end every every uh, podcast. Um, and it's less of your uh, potty training stories and, you know, days at the park stories. There's a little bit of that, but more on breaking generational curses and, and how to become uh, better men. Um, in my opinion, um, I am married. So uh, my wife comes first. Ultimately, I know a lot of people disagree with that you know when they say who comes first the the husband i know or, i know you've seen that conversation a million and one times on social media child um, i'm like yeah. <laughs> it's usually the single people having a conversation because married folks or y'all already move how y'all move y'all understand it i'm not married but i'm just like it's just the single conversation like i don't know anybody married having these fucking conversations facts absolutely <laughs> and, and the thing about it is the thing about it is the way i look at it is my wife is who i'm building the foundation with my kids are who I'm building the foundation for. So you ain't got no say in what happens to this foundation (laughs) if you're my (laughs) child. So wherever I'm building this empire, wherever we're building this kingdom, enjoy the royalty chair, you know what I mean? Because my wife and I are putting in the work, you know? So, um, and I feel like, um, you know what? Fuck it, shots fired. If people won't focus on their wife or their husband more then they focus on their children just a little bit, maybe I'll still be married. So, I mean, okay, uh, uh, let me, let me, let me back back, let me back back, but, uh, but that's what it's I'll about. I'll you out, JC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not lying. I'm not married, but I mean, you're right, because 
again, the foundation is important. And sometimes if you're not taking care of your significant other and the kids are doing great, you know, I have, I have met people and I have said before that some fathers and some mothers, I think an example, some fathers can be great fathers and terrible husbands. That's yeah. not going to keep the foundation together, but that's definitely a thing. I've seen it. Look, I mean, look, the, the stupid ass meme is, you know, who gets the first plate? That's the meme. Oh, Lord, see. I'm so done with that meme. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to give the answer. The, the first offer goes to the wife or the husband of whoever cooks. So if I cook, my wife gets the first offer. Baby, do you want a plate? It's her job as the nurturing mother. And it's my job as a nurturing father to say, now get the kids first, and I and then if you want to serve me a plate, that's cool. I'll I'll come get it after the kids eat. That's it. That's how it's supposed to be. The offer is supposed to go to the husband or the wife first, even if the kids get the first plate. Right, right. The common goal is to provide for the kids. I like the way but you put my, that. I mean, I think that's simple enough. But my care is for my wife first. Hey, do you, are you hungry? You want me to get you a plate, or you know, do you want to fix the kids a plate? And then that that's up to her to say yes right. or no. And so for me, if if she says yes, I do want to play, then that, that just tells me, look, she's really hungry. She had a long day at work, et cetera, et cetera. She really does want this plate. If she decided, yeah, I want the first plate. I can say 9.9 .9 times out of 10, my wife will say, or I will say, no, I'll get the kids first and then I'll, you know, I'll come in there and grab a plate. That's it. I mean, how many other, how many people would just be like, yeah, let me... I mean, there are some people, let me get my place sit down, like, I get what you're saying, and I, I'm a little raggedy, okay, child, but do it if you want to, but I get what you're saying, like, I don't, it's not really a conversation, I've never seen that shit in real life, okay, no. and I've been around no. plenty of husbands and wives, it's never been a conversation, but shout out to social media, okay? Uh, social media ruined everything, man, I'm telling you. Right, right. So, no yeah, person can call that a feed. You said, what is it? I said, there's no co coincidence that they call our social media pages feeds because that's you're all right. we do, you know. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. So, yeah, I definitely, um, I have taken a listen at uh, to your podcast. I heard a couple episodes. I definitely, I do agree that it's not about potty training in the, I'm not saying this, let me, let me choose my words carefully. Uh, okay. I'll say yeah. it's not the lighter part of parenting per se, which people can focus on because sure, but there are bigger issues and there's more to parenting than cute outfits and some bullshit. Okay. Like parents yeah. also have like, you know, our days where we're not feeling cold, but you still got a parent. It's like, you talk about different emotions and stuff like that as well, as far as being a dad and maybe not feeling adequate or whatever, but you still got to push through for your kids. So I definitely respect your podcast and, you know, the angle you're coming from. Um, so today's episode, I, okay, it's crazy because I had told, I had done an episode with a, another podcaster and I talked about, I wanted to speak to someone that had experience going to jail, going to prison. Um, I like to watch crime shows. I found 60 Days In and I was binge watching like a oh motherfucker. My okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, oh my God. I would not last in there more than 30 seconds. So I was like, but people really have to go and experience this. So when I was listening to this podcast and then you started talking about your experience in prison, I'm like, oh my God, I think I found the person that I want to speak to. Like, <laughs> It just wasn't the fact that you've gone to prison because I've known people that have gone to prison. I just think it was the way you spoke about it, which interested me to want you to come on my platform so I can ask these questions as someone that's experienced prison. And here you are. So thank you again. Yeah, yeah. So, 
<laughs> All right. So the first question I guess I'll ask is, um, what was your overall experience in prison? Obviously, it's not a good experience, but for you, if you had to break it down and summarize it, what would you say was your overall experience? And how many years did you do, if you don't mind telling the audience? So I did a little over two years. Um, and uh, it was enough to, <clears throat> and the, I'm not going to go into the crime and all that, but um, it, it was enough to get an experience. <laughs> Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, Why I'm, do you feel like people will be like, oh, two years, that's nothing. Do you feel like they minimize might say, it? Might say I might not be able to do six months, you know what I mean? But okay. um, it one, it only takes, it only takes three weeks to become institutionalized because it's Damn, either, that's it? Oh yeah. Because it, it, it's either you do or you don't, you know what I mean? Um, and, and then it takes a lifetime to become deinstitutionalized right. which is crazy how the system is set up right. and uh, you know um wh- when it comes to my experience in prison is is a little different than uh than some i guess because uh, i'm mixed um and uh which was another question i had because you look black but mixed with something i don't know what the something is <laughs> Filipino. <laughs> yeah okay okay I'm, I'm, I'm Nigapino. Um, okay. <laughs> and that, my cousin's Nigapino, so it's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we pretty, though. You know, we pretty. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you, you know, it's crazy to say that my experience was different from being out because it really wasn't. I mean, I feel like a lot of times in my life growing up and, and in there that my race played a factor in convenience. You know what I mean? Um, my you know my I got I'm from the Bay Area I have family in Sacramento um and that's my black side when I would go for summers to visit in Sacramento it would be like oh that's my light-skinned cousin or you know what I mean dark skin um then you got the then you got people that's like oh you ain't even black like that you ain't even black like that so it's like okay I'm, I'm not black enough to be black I'm not Filipino enough to be Filipino where do I fit in here mm-hmm. you know what I mean? oh but you can sing oh but you're funny or you you can hoop or you can fight you know what I mean so it's like oh call JC if you need it you know what I mean you need something he, he, right he can do it. but it was never an acceptance of of me you know what I mean so um you know and that was kind of that was kind of my experience uh and I had to go through some political stuff uh in prison that I, I I can't speak on um but uh yeah uh it was it was uh it was an experience trying to be uh who I wanted to be um versus who they who they made me become you know so um so I have a question on that like okay so you say it takes three weeks to become institutionalized again I'm going based on tv so let me rock okay <laughs> so <laughs> let's go you know what how many people ask me to make them a shank or make them a spread or you know what I mean like people want to ask me some crazy shit so <laughs> what's that um what's that drink that they make in prison pruno but do they call it pruno I feel like it's another name is there another name it got mashing in there they done crushed up medicine yeah, all that Okay, crazy, but I don't want to ask you about that. But I just see that's that. Our, that's our that's our fermented wine, you know what I mean? It's, right, it's, right. It's, it's, so I'm I I now have insight of a little bit of what they got going on to have fun as they they try to have fun while they're in there. So you say it takes three weeks to become institutionalized. Like, do you mind like kind of breaking down like once you 
you know, put on the jail suit and you, they lock you up. Like, what is the experience, I guess, for the first couple of days that really had you kind of like, yo, I'm really in here for two years. Yeah, like, this yeah, is about to be crazy. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, which is crazy because um, if you look at, I would say, I would say, if you want to see if somebody changed, look at their, their jail picture and then look at their prison picture right because uh, there's two pictures when you go to jail they take your first you know um your, your booking photo i look scared like a motherfucker like like eyes big and shit right right <laughs> like what happened right and three weeks in i'd already had been in a riot <laughs> all right yeah. i had already put hands on somebody hands got put on me i got pressed you know um because people want to see what you're about you know um, that's the scary part for me i know i'm a woman but that's scary to me like you dead ass gotta be in here with these people that either either have been in here for years are going to be in there for longer than you and they just want to see what you about so it's like you fighting every day for your life like i would be mentally okay so so tv glorifies this shit like oh let you know let's hype this up i feel like they want to desensitize us to it um but that's that's another whole I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that's, I just feel like being in the, in, in the institution and then who would want to glorify this? Who would want to make this popular and, and be proud of this? Like, this isn't something that I say this as a testimony, you know what I mean? I don't say it as, oh yeah, you know what I mean? This is, this is who I am. Like, nah, like you never catch me being like, oh yeah, you know, I did, I did all this time and I whoop whoop and I put this, in, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't do that. I don't do right. that. I mean, if we if we sitting down and we talking, you want to know some things like this, then that that's one thing. But if it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna put it on the net because I can, like, nah. Like, if you look at my social media, um, when I got home, when I got home, uh, so I was signed to Sony uh, as a singer songwriter from uh, to 2006 to 2008. Period. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I said period. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, uh, and and my social media was cracking then. And when I got home, my social media went, <laughs> you know what I mean? When I got home, I was still on MySpace. Let's put it that way. Right? Damn. So, yeah, yeah. So, and then, you know, me being, you know, kind of like loyal to a fault, I was like, I ain't going to go to Facebook, you know? I'm going to stay over here on MySpace. It got lonely over there on MySpace. <laughs> I bet. And nothing was cracking on MySpace no more. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have no top eight. <laughs> so Not I was like, the top eight, child. Throwback. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, damn, Tom wasn't even my friend no more. I'm like, yo, this lonely over here, you know. But then, it, but you know, misery loves company. And so for me, like being in that MySpace and and realizing that, oh, you know, everybody left me. It for some reason had me comfortable. It let me stay in that prison mind state because a lot of motherfuckers left me to not to die, but they they stopped. Look, you were smoking on my trees. You was, you know, what I mean, you was in my house drinking on my drink. You was sleeping on my my in my garage you were sleeping on the couch in my house you like you had everything you wanted in my house but you couldn't put no money on my books you couldn't write me you know you come couldn't come up for a visit none nothing like that so for me so do people start off for your experience did people start off like oh yeah i got you when you go in there or they started off visiting or started off putting money in your book and then slowly it dwindled away and then they just disappeared or they never a lot of people you thought would have at least like damn like been there for you worse there's some people that stepped up that i never knew or i didn't expect would step up but then you start realizing you know how you know oh my god it's another meme i hate saying this shit but uh because i i keep 
I keep, I keep putting a highlight on social media, but there's that meme that say, um, strangers strangers will support you before your family supports Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Okay, so now I'm looking at like my, my letterbox and I'm like, yo, like, I didn't even know, I didn't know, you know, dude was checking for me like this. I didn't even know, you know what I mean? These people was rocking for me like this. I didn't even know this girl was, you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, my lady held me down the whole time. So that let me know when I get out, I'm going to do right. You right. Know, so, um you know and that was the the one of the biggest eye openers for me um prison will let, really let you know who who's down for you because as soon as you get out all the welcome home banners and the welcome home parties and all the little posts that they put on social media it's nothing like i don't right. know, you know and so what i was saying about social media is like like i said i was still on myspace and to this day like if i kept the traction that i had when I first started the, cause, cause I completely shut down my music page. I wanted people to, to, I wanted fans for the podcast that were actually fans of fatherhood and believe in fatherhood. I wanted true fans, not people, I get that, it. not people that were like, Oh yeah, you, you sang this song or you wrote this song, you did this and this and this, I'm going to follow you for that. I'm like, no, right. that's not what I want. You know, right. I had to change my style of music. I had to change my perception because, um, you know, I was getting in trouble doing that. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't the best, I wasn't the best fiance, husband, boyfriend in the beginning, you know what I mean? Admittedly. And so, um, so you feel like going to jail changed that for you? Like the whole experience? Absolutely. absolutely. And then having a son with cancer and, and down syndrome while I was locked up, that for me was like, yo, and then they denied me the right to, um, I don't know if it's a right actually, but they denied me the opportunity to donate bone marrow, you know, to, to help my son. I can't do anything. I can't go see him, but you won't even allow me to try to help, you know? So right, right. Man, you kind of feel helpless. And I think that's the most dangerous thing for a man is to feel helpless and for him to feel helpless and uh, unwanted. And because, I mean, you start feeling unwanted, that's when you kind of start, start stepping out. You start feeling helpless, that's when you start robbing. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, like, right. Like, you know, and th- those are extremes, but that's that's the world we live in right now. We we in an extreme time, so um, you know, it, it prison prison really opened up uh, a lot of um, opportunities and closed a lot of doors at the same time. Opened up a lot of opportunities for successful relationships and closed a lot of uh, doors on relationships that I thought were real. No, I understand. I mean, I can only imagine how it does. So you said like by the third week where you had to take your prison photo, like you was already like, okay, well, I'm gonna be in here. So I'm gonna really be in here. How they be in here? Because you had to. Yeah, I didn't take my prison photo until I got sentenced, which was uh, like six months down. down. Um, But what I I say that is... you're walking into something I had never been to jail before you know so I had a clean record before this um I I mean I got some juvenile trouble but for some fights and things like that but nothing like this nothing serious like this so um you know I I took my my jail photo my my uh booking photo and you could see in my eyes I was scared like eyes big teary you know scared and uh then when I went to prison you kind of seem more like a relaxed like okay I know the system you know um but uh that looking back on the two pictures now, I, they, they kind of scare me because I, I would I would prefer to be this scared person over here when it comes to, um, you know, my thought process, because when I got comfortable, I started seeing myself doing shit in there that 
like, okay, this can, this could get me in trouble, you know, but if I was over here, I was scared to do anything like right. that. So, and, and one of the things that I preach is that complacency is the killer of everything. Right. And, uh, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your, your parenting, whether it be your job, once you get complacent, you get, you become irreplaceable. So I just, I just felt like I got complacent. I started doing shit that I, I, I shouldn't have been doing and, you know, went to the hole for it. So I was like, oh, damn, like now I'm in the hole. <laughs> 24 right, because I know in the hole, y'all don't know what day it is, what time it is. Like everything's the same because, you know, I've I've had little, you know, jailbird friends and they didn't wrote me and they because they bored, you know, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what day it is. So, you know, I used to write back in my younger days, kind of keep them company type thing, you know, just to write because that's all the excitement you can get is the letters, right? Because you can't leave. You can't talk to nobody. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like you're going to lose your mind in there? A couple of times I did, you know, and that's where my prayer life increased. You know what I mean? I was just, because <laughs> they're just like, yo, you can't put people in, and this is just in general. You can't put people in a hot, the most hostile environment in the world and then tell them go out in the world and become civilized citizens and not have a plan for them and say, oh, but you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this legally. You can't have this type of job you can't do this you can't do this there's no there i mean there's a halfway house but that's that's not a recovery like there's no system in place for people to beat recidivism it has to be who you are as a man or your thought process that says i'm not going back and i'm right by my family um but you see how many people go come out go back in come out go back in come out go back in that's because there's no there's no it's set up for us to fail when it comes right, to right and um so i have a quick question before i move on to the second part of my first question that i had um that you touched on a little bit which is about um being a parent and not being able to you know help out your son in that aspect but before that i wanted to I wanted your personal opinion on whether or not you think it is, because you said once you got institutionalized, in a sense, you were kind of like, I know I could get in trouble for this, but you know, it was just how you were functioning. Do you think it's like possible for someone to actually go into prison for multiple years and actually like coast through and just not get in trouble? Or do you think like certain circumstances kind of force you to people fucking with you or people trying to make you give them your chips? Again, I'm watching TV. I don't know if y'all got to give you chips, but listen, I'm just asking. I'm watching that shit. Like, okay. So a a lot of times it's like, don't be a bitch and people ain't going to treat you like a bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Right. You You just come through there put your head down, you do your thing, you stay solid, you know, most times you can kind of, it's when it's time for war, that shit gets kind of funny, where it's just like, yo, we need you to be down for this, we need you to do this, and it's, and it's mainly the, um, okay, I'll get your water in a second, yeah, I'll get it for you in a second, um, it's mainly, it's mainly, yes, I'll get you water, buddy, Sorry. Okay. Father, don't stop. I'm telling you. I hear that. He don't care about what you're doing. He wants his water ASAP. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, he like he like his mom. Um yeah. but, but um, you know, it a lot of people glorified it. Oh yeah, I did this and I did this, I did this. That's not every day, you know what I mean? For for you. It's not like I woke up every day and I'm in a state of fighting. 
Now you have to be mentally ready to fight, you know, and probably physically ready to fight at, at a drop of a dime because you don't know who's checking for you. So yeah, in that in that regard, but a lot of times you sit down playing your cards, you're playing your dominoes, you know, me. Uh, I got I got paid to write people's love letters. <laughs> so, oh shit, you were smooth, right? Yeah, smooth. Yeah, so I'm a songwriter, so they was like, "Hey, bro, I just cussed my my chick out. Um, <laughs> on, she ain't gonna put no money on the books. I need you to write me some cool, you know what I mean?" So I would ask them for a couple of details, a couple of memories, you know what I mean, and boop 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 boop, and then I just tell them, yeah, and then I tell them, you know what? Throw me throw me a couple of soups or throw me a couple of stamps, and you know that's how we were bartered, you know. So. um, like I was, I was a love man. So, Hey man, don't, don't, don't mess with the love man. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you had to find your niche, you know, so right. that was my thing. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, when it does come to people pressing you, yeah, you got to stand up, you know, cause they want to know, uh, what you're about, but I ain't got time for that shit, yo. <laughs> One thing I don't like people messing with me and I would just feel like, I don't want to like prove to you I'm about nothing. Obviously that's why jail's not for me, but you yeah. know, I just, to me, it sounds overwhelming and I'm sure it is because this is from someone that hasn't experienced and listening to other people watching it. But imagine to have it to do that. Like, I don't want to prove to you that I'm X, Y, Z. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? But you may have to because they're going to continuously mess with you. And it may not be every day, like you said, but if you got years in there, at some point it's going to come up and it's like, yeah. what yeah. am I going to say? I don't feel like it today. Like, yeah. ask me tomorrow. <laughs> like, and and I, I put this on the post one time. And I said, you know, I wish some of the respect factor from prison trickled over into the real world because you get these, (laughs) uh, look, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, But I mean, look, you can't get away with cancel culture bullshit in prison, in prison. So I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. Like, you know, all that, all that, you know, this entitlement and, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking to you because you hurt my feelings. What feelings? What feeling? You ain't got no feelings. Because if you got feelings, then we, we got an issue. You know, because right. they're going to take that as, as vulnerability. And if you become the weak link of the car or your people, your your race, well, they're going to get you up out of it. You know, so, um, and and I just, and I, I told my wife, well, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, um, and I, I said it in a podcast before that, Every time I wrote her a love letter that felt so passionate, that was me getting out uh, as much emotion and just writing it off. Because I don't know yes, if I'm going to make it say home that. some days. I don't know if I'm going to make it home someday. So this is, you know, and I, I got to get this. So when I got home, I was, I wasn't who I was when I, when I left. And she was used to this romantic R&B crooner type that I, that I used to be. And now I'm shut off. I'm cold hearted, not cold hearted where I was mean, but I was just cold standoffish and then she had become the most amazing mother who just had a baby with down syndrome and cancer and she grew up so we weren't these little kids anymore right and now we're trying to figure out how to love each other and she's not who I thought she was anymore and I'm not who she thought or I thought I wasn't or yeah she thought I was anymore and it's not that we 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 grew apart emotionally because we did continue to talk every day on the phone or via um you know letter but we grew apart physically. So it's like, right. I, don't, I don't know this person, you know? So, um, but you guys were also in two different, complete, two completely different spaces. Like, yeah. you know, obviously you were dealing what you were dealing with and on the outside, she has to, you know, that's 
that's a very big experience for her as well, you know, and not to have you there physically to be able to, I mean, y'all can talk on the phone. She can tell you how she's feeling. She can talk to you about doctor's appointments, but I can only imagine how it felt to have to go by yourself, like, and have to experience um, all that with that. So I did want to get to her family, have to defend me to her family. Right, right. He's not like that. You know, it's like, it was the not typical, but I mean, when you think of a girl in the in the in the movies who got to defend her man to her family that's locked up, you don't know him like I do, and this and this. like we've heard it all, right? Right. Because the entertainment world has has brought it to the forefront, but that's true. Like she she had to tell her family those same things, so that that comes from from real life right there. Right, right. So I wanted to get on to, you know, okay, so your son, I know she was, pre- was she pregnant with your son, like, um, early into your prison sentence? Or right. was it? Okay, right. got in, like, I knew I was going in. And <laughs> so you uh, knew yeah. before you went in that she was pregnant? Yeah. Yep. Oh, Lord. So Okay, having to be in there now. Did she? Did you? And did um, she know that your son um, had cancer and would be born with Down syndrome before you got in there, or you found that out while you were in there? We found out that it could be a possibility. We didn't get the confirmation until he was born. So, okay. Yeah. So how did you? I guess deal with that. I how could you? How did you deal with that? You know, finding that out and not being able to be there with her and just having to process that, you know, because once you hang up the phone, you ain't got nothing but time in prison to think about all these things. So how did how did your mind kind of race or how did that work for you when you found out? I had probably the biggest. Um, <laughs> man, that takes me back. Um, I, I had probably one of the biggest meltdowns that I that I've like Kim Kardashian ugly cry like um I just I I couldn't control myself um emotionally and you know you're not supposed to really cry in there but I there was a prayer circle they have every night I went to the prayer circle just broken down and I I told everybody you know why I was obviously crying because people looking at me like bro like we understand this is a prayer circle but you know and then to see, this is when I, I started realizing, I mean, I've, I've been in church all my life, but I've strayed away a lot, you know, and, and this is when I started realizing God is never too far away. And for me, I mean, I'm in there with killers. I'm in there with bank robbers. I'm with in there with game bangers. Like, you know what I mean? Some of the craziest and hardest dudes in the Bay Area for the most part. And uh, they looking at me like, bro, I'm so sorry. Like, you know. And, and comforting me, you know, and so that's what I'm like, you know, like, this, this is kind of different, you know, we're not at each other, and, and not just one race, multiple races, so um, I ended up, uh, not, not, not purposely, but I, I ended up going on a hunger strike, you know, not, not intentionally, just I, I had no appetite, when my, when I popped my door one day, I seen boxes of just like candy and food and you know, people are just like, hey, bro, you got to eat something, man. And, you know, yeah, Jay, man, you got to eat, bro. Like, you've been in there three days straight. Like, you got to eat, you know. And that showed me how God was moving, you know. And then I start calling these 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 situations my, my white wall encounters or my white wall situations where I wasn't doing crazy things on the street, but I was doing 
enough on the street for God to say, I need you to sit down because where you're going right now is going to get a lot worse. And so I need you to sit down and look at this white wall and tell me what you want to be. You want to be foolish. You want to be a father. What do you want to do? And I felt like I was still trying to, I was still trying to con God. Like, yeah, of course I want to be a father, but I was still trying to be, you know, one of the hardest dudes on, on the cell block. Before we get right back to today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know about this amazing children's book written by today's guest on this episode, JC from hashtag dad swag. Now the positive affirmation tracing book is a way to teach grade school children writing skills all the while, and more importantly, teaching them about self-confidence through positive affirmations. It also gives the parents or parental figures an opportunity to reaffirm those affirmations to the child or children with an interactive activity. So head over to amazon.com to get your copy of the positive affirmation tracing book today. Now let's get back to this episode. Right, right. That's, that's, your, your heart ain't in it. <laughs> like he let me know, like, no, nah, no, that's not, you can't fool me, you know? And so then I felt like when my, when my heart and my, my passion and my desire was aligned with what he wanted for my life at the time, that's when he opened the doors and said, okay, you're ready to move to the next phase. Right. And so that's when I got out, but you know, to feel completely, like I said, it's dangerous as a man to feel helpless or unwanted. And, uh, to feel helpless in that position, it was the worst feeling outside of being run over last year that I that I felt like, who am I? What am I? What am I worth? You know, and then to just see how people responded to that. Even the even the CEO, he um he left the phone next to my next to my cell. He left the phone off the hook. And he said, hey, if you need to call home, don't abuse your power. But if you need to call home, you have free range to come out of your cell at any time you want to. You just point down to the to the desk and tell them, hey, I'm going to use the phone and they'll turn it on for you. I mean, that's much respect because to be honest, you know, from the stories I hear, people are like, oh, CEOs don't give a fuck. Or prison is all this and that and this. And at some at some point, it just seemed like that it is like that at some point. But I think at some times there is a form of a brotherhood with certain individuals. And it seems like that was kind of what happened. And you said like, it was all different races. Like that experience had nothing to do about color or, you know, what you're in here for. Like that, that's somebody's child. Like that hits everybody differently. And I, I, I'm really, I'm really like impressed that even the CEOs are like, yo, I can only imagine, you know, they get to go home. So they they could have been CEOs that sucked. That's like, oh, well, like, while well, you in here, that's not my problem. But the fact that they were like, you know, human to human and be like, you know what? I can only imagine how you feel. So that much respect to that CEO. Yeah, yeah most definitely. And again, like I had, I he's, he's the CEO that put me in the hole the first time. So for me, again, that's all glory to God for me, where it's just like, okay, I see how you're moving. Like, okay, I need to, I need to sit down and, and I need to listen to this, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know, I know a lot of people who gonna listen to this or listen to my podcast and they say, how can you be, uh, super religious? One, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And two, um, my relationship with God isn't your relationship with God. Right. And, and yeah, I might, I might cuss and I might say certain things, but there's a lot more people like, me who believe in God than people who say that they don't do evil or they don't sin 
that believe in God. And I'd rather right. be the latter. So, um, you know, yeah, you know, my my relationship with, with God is is kind of it's it's a personal thing. You know what I mean? I don't I don't believe in in religion. I believe that's a system. But at the end of the day, when I ask God to show up, He showed up. So for me, that's unwavering. Listen, I respect it because I mean, I don't speak too much about religious spirituality. Like you said, my relationship with God is my own relationship. It seems like too often people want it to look how it looks for them. And, you know, being that I'm Haitian or, you know, Haitian people, they love going to church for 18 hours a day. Listen, (laughs) God knows my heart at home. I'm not sitting in here for 18 hours with y'all because it looks good. Like, and you're right. When you call on him, when you're behind closed doors or you're going through whatever you're going through mentally and you ask God to show you a sign or point you in the right direction. And he does that. People on the outside don't know what's happening. You know, and you just like, yo, you cannot tell me that there is no God because I am literally, I'm asking and I'm receiving unbeknownst to other people. So I, I know, I know exactly what you're talking we about. We just went through a whole year where they shut down the church physically, but people still going to church online. So right. you can't tell me that I got to go to a church Right. when in my Bible, it says that the people are the church. So I yeah, am yeah. the church. So look, <laughs> wherever Talk to I'm him, at, JC. Talk to him. <laughs> Wherever I'm at, that's where church is going to be. You listen, I mean? that's so, my number one line. I <laughs> say that all the time. I'll be like, listen, he knows my heart. I'm right yeah. at home and yeah, we talk, is. okay? So, no, so I respect it. So, okay, I want to go into your relationship with your then girlfriend, now wife. So, mm-hmm. before I do, right when you got out, how old was your son when you got out? Uh, just turned two. So not only did you have to get out of prison, um, now you have to become, that was your first time being a father, correct? Yeah. Become yeah. a first time father. I mean, I say that my, my personal, my personal child. Yeah. But I'm okay. raising sisters. So, you know, like that's my first child. Yeah. But I mean, being, and, and I say that as a, as a, as someone who hosts a podcast about fatherhood, it's not just fathers, it's father figures. So You're right. father figure for a long time so um but having my personal child yeah as my first experience being a father yeah okay i understand um so having your first child biologically and then having to be a better boyfriend or just be a present boyfriend and a father to your girlfriend and to function in society after being institutionalized after two years how did that work out for the first couple years or how long did it take you to finally tackle one thing? Because I'm sure you couldn't do all three at once. So you had to tackle something. I mean, let's just be real. I'm still tackling. I hear that. I'm still tackling. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things in my life right now where um, I'm still dealing with the, the struggles, but I'm not even just tackling prisons. I'm, I'm tackling childhood things, you know, uh, abuse and torment and things of, of that nature so there's still things that I'm, I'm learning I'm growing from but when it comes to this specific situation um, I thought I could just come home and go right back into music and be oh you know go back to being a crooner you know what I mean I, I released a song and went on the radio I was popping I was you know and so I was I, <laughs> I thought I could be that guy again but again God had different plans for my life and then I realized if I don't start earning an honest living, then I'm going to go back to doing the things that I was doing 
that played a factor into not why I got locked up, but played a factor into why I got locked up. So for me, um, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. But again, when a man feels, I'm talking to the to the women, when a man feels wanted and supported unwaveringly, he will move a fucking mountain for you. Like, in, like intrinsically, he feels that way. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of women put, put effort into their relationship and sometimes it's on the man and sometimes it's on the woman, depending on who, you know, your partner is. But in most cases, when a man feels like, yo, that woman got my back and he understands that, he will go to the ends of the earth for you. And um, it might take us a while, but we'll get there. <laughs> and it's still taking me some time, you know. Um, and <clears throat> it took about three years for me to get my shit together, like really get it together. Um, I got, you know, I got a job right away and it was, and I was depressed because it was a dead end job. I, I was, I was a car detailer. You know what I mean? Like I, that's the only job I could get. That's what society told me that was available for me. <laughs> like you can't get a job because you have this. But um, okay, we'll make you a car detailer. Like what? What kind of? Of course, somebody gonna go back to selling drugs or robbing or doing because it's like I, I made more money in a day than I did on this two week paycheck. What are you right. talking? So I had to really humble myself and and be humble. And then having that baby and looking at him and his strength every day just to see him progress and him fight through the pain of getting stuck every week to check his blood and his his platelets and that kept me going and then to watch how my wife interacted with her my girlfriend and wife now uh, i'm just gonna call him my wife uh, but <laughs> wife, uh interacted with him it made me want that because it, inside it kind of made me jealous like i didn't have that bond with him so you know, I had to figure out how to become more of a father of presence, E-N-C-E, and not presence, E-N-T-S, <laughs> you know what I mean? Got it, so, got it, which um, are two significantly different type of parenting, okay? Yeah. And if you know, you know. Yeah, most definitely, you know, and, and um, you know, I come from a family, or not a family, but my my mother and, you know, her way was to buy my love. Right. She was she showed a lot of passion about being a mother, but not a lot of compassion about being a mother. You know, so um, for me, I didn't want anything. I, I didn't want to, to be anything like her relationships or what I knew growing up. So I tried to do everything opposite. I didn't I failed in the in the field of prison. I, I, I didn't beat that generational curse, but I can end that generational curse. And that's when when I got home. I set my mind and I said, my kids aren't going to go to prison because they seen me go to prison. What they're going to see is somebody who worked hard and still had a dream and still fought for that dream and hustled. Like I'm going to apply my street hustle to this good hustle and then I'm going to see what it do. And you know, so far so good. Right. No, that's good. Cause hustling is hustling. It's just whether or not you do it illegally or legally. But if you have the mentality to be that hustler, you can be whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely respect that. And I understand. Um, as far as, so you had said earlier that like, 
when you were in prison, you wrote all the fabulous love songs for your wife. You wrote her some fancy, cute, sweet letters. And then when you got out, you was a little different. So I'm just trying to understand the mindset behind now that you're physically out, why you felt like you weren't able to be that person. Was it because now you don't have to be vulnerable? You don't have to write your vulnerability down on paper and you can actually, like, I'm, I think I'm a little lost as to how the same, that. Per- same thing is war. Like, like think of, I don't know if you have family in the military, but the same thing is like PTSD. Okay. Right? Somebody goes to, to the military. They, they are built to be a machine, right? You don't have this emotion anymore. Like that's it. Uh. And so that was, that's what all it was for me. And it took some years to, of love and care and attention and true intimacy not sex because fellas sex is not intimacy but intimacy breeds great sex so let me just <laughs> so but right at the end of the day we get that confused right i have a very intimate relationship with my wife and so for me it took years to facilitate that relationship again you know so i had wrote all these Every when I say I wrote love letters and I sent them off, I was sending pieces of me off. You know what I mean? Like I was killing that. I'm killing. Uh. It. My wife was my weakness in there. My my kid was my weakness in there. But you know, for some reason, if you talk about someone's kid in there, you you, you get stuck. If you know you talk about someone's lady in there, you get stuck more. It, it's weird like that. Oh wow. So, <laughs> so it's just like you know people you know if somebody says something bad about my wife or if I got a letter from my wife where she was talking about, you know, how she felt, like I had to cut all that emotion off because in a time of vulnerability in there could be a time of death. Like I could not allow myself to be that vulnerable in there. So I had to just get my feelings out. It's kind of the same thing as writing a letter and burning it. Like I'm done with that feeling. I'm done with that emotion. So when I got home again, the institutionalized mindset had me, had me, you know, just, just raw. Like I just was like, you know, waking up at different times in the night, all through the night. You want your, give me a bottle right there. Give me a bottle. Right there. He's like, listen, you said you was going to yeah. get my water. I ain't yeah, forget. I try, I try to, I try to play him, but he, he's smart. Um, but uh, I, I just felt like I can't hold on to this love emotion because I got to hold on to a hate emotion. I can't have love in my heart when, you know, I need to be hating this nigga over here because, you know, it's about to go down. Right, um, right. So for me, um, it took a lot of work and it, and it I did a lot of pain. It, I caused her a lot of pain. Um, I can only imagine because I'm a woman. I can only understand a man's standpoint for so much. But I, I'm thinking like as a woman, I can only imagine how much she had to go through to like hold it down and it's like like you said a man wants to feel wanted you want to feel like she's there for you and I'm sure she wanted to be that for you but I'm sure there was a lot of pushback because you did not know how to receive it so for her to continuously do it day to day I commend her on that because a lot that's where women be like listen papa I tried for like three months you was wilding I I don't know how to deal with it so I'm gonna just sit over here but the fact that she's just like no like trying to get through to you which she did and now you know because you speak so highly of her which I respect because you speak in a sense of okay I know how difficult it must have been for her you know to stick around and just to continuously work with me which she's still working with you as you said but you know it's hard and 
I, I appreciate that you appreciate her and her being the mother of your children and her riding with you through prison sentences because all too often, and I'm, I'm sure it's based on circumstances, whatever's going on, when dudes are in jail and they get out, all of a sudden when they start getting back to whatever, it's like they forgot the woman that held them down. I've seen that. And she's yeah. like, hold on, I was there for you when no one was there for you. And they do her dirty. And it's like, really? Like, yeah, a nigga can't, but the nigga won't forget his hood. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, wait, none of them niggas wrote you. None of them niggas put money right. on you. But you're going to go right back to those streets. But you ain't going to go back to those sheets. So, for me, I'm like, you know, obviously, I don't want to live that life. So, I got to do something different. Um, and then again, coming from a household where, you know, my, I watched my mom date convict after convict and deadbeat after deadbeat, <clears throat> abuser after abuser. It was, it was kind of like, this is, I'm unfamiliar to this, you know, so this must be right because I knew that was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so, um, you have to appreciate, you have to appreciate the sacrifice. And if you can't, then you, you don't deserve that woman. So, you know, whatever Simply happens, put. whatever happens after that relationship, you, you brought that on yourself. Right. No, simply put. All right. So it, the final question I had and in reference to, um, you know, our episode is, I think you kind of touched on it. So I'm going to ask again, do you feel like prison actually is a rehabilitation like center for individuals like do you feel like like for you I know you left there not knowing you didn't want to go back but do you feel like that's enough like okay they you said earlier they don't provide enough resources I do have a, a family member right now and he got out of prison he's definitely he's like the only one in my family that in and out in and out in and out and everyone's like I don't understand it like how do you keep going in and out in and out and this is like the first time because he's kind of been in and out throughout my whole childhood but now that we're adults and we're able to speak and we've spoken recently I'm I'm kind of getting a better idea of like why so right now he's in a halfway house Um, he's in a state where he doesn't have family, which I'm like, you need to go back to a state where you got family, but he wants to stay there, but he doesn't have anywhere to go. Therefore he had to go to a halfway house. Of course they got rules, days you can leave, days you can't leave. Um, being in prison, I think he lost like his birth certificate, his social security card, trying to obtain that, especially now after the pandemic, a lot of Mm -hmm. things are close. He's like, yo, I think I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I feel like part of him wants to be like, this is why people go back. Like, what the yeah, fuck yeah. can I do now that I'm out mm-hmm. here? So, so, go ahead. For me, one, amazing question. Uh, two, it can be. It can be a rehabilitation center. But again, it's all about the individual. Right. Um, you know, and, and also it plays into what they have when they go back home. Look, I didn't have to pay no taxes when I was in there. Right. I got got four meals a day or three meals a day I got to work out all day like you know if I don't got family if I don't got nobody supporting me then why not I got a I got a bed all, you tell me all I got to do is write and I'm okay oh okay cool I'm, I'm with that you know and especially if you're especially if you're already in the streets and you have a street mentality you develop a family in it look right be 100% honest as happy as I was the day I left, I was a little sad. 
It seems to be like that when I see it. It seems like people cry and be like, oh my God, I don't want to leave y'all or I'm leaving y'all because you form some type of routine, some type of brotherhood. When I was dapping it up to to, to everybody, I was getting to you like, hey, bro, you know, stay stay up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to write you. For four months, I wrote. And then I started dwindling down. And then I started forgiving people in my life because I realized life still goes on out here. Right. It stops in there. Life stops in there. People come out of there and look like they never left. Like, you know, like you as young as you was when you went in, you know, because that's all we do is work out. Oh, we, I'm, I'm saying that's, that's all there is to do is work out. Right. So, and, and, and eat and, you know, you get the strength. You can go to school for free. You get free dental. So you coming out with pearly whites, like, right, <laughs> you <right>. know, so, <laughs> so why, why wouldn't somebody who has nothing want to go back? You know, um, especially when you do build a, um, I got a family member who told me straight up, my real family's in prison. That's crazy. Oh, and some people do feel that way. I'm like, bro, what? Like, and then when I went, I understood why he could say that. Cause some, some family members be fake as fuck, you know, some right. just all that blood is sticking in water. No, no, no. So what? So what? You right. Know, family is what you make it. You know, right. That's corny. And it's a cliche saying, but that's, that's a fact. Family is who you decide to call family. You know, um, there's some family members I have that I wish I don't call family. Like I wish we didn't have the same blood. I don't give right. a shit. You know, um, but, but at the end of the day, um, could it be a really be a rehabilitation or a form of rehabilitation if you allow it to be, but it can also be something that makes it worse because now you go out and do something. It's like, yo, I, I only did that little bit of time for that little bit of crime. Okay, cool. I'm up to Annie, you know, or I got a little slap on the wrist. I got a cousin who I love. I call him my twin. He's a little younger than me. Um, but he has that mentality, unfortunately where he went in for something small and he came out, got a little tattoo on him. He started acting a little hard and then started doing deeper things. And now he's in there for a longer time. So again, it's not, I don't think it's the prison system that's the the fault here. I think it's the, the justice system. And when you get out, that has to be a form of rehabilitation. If you look at, um, I think it's Sweden, their prison, like their apartments. Yes, I have. I, I've spent time Googling random prisons, worst prisons in uh, in the world, nice ones. Some are very nice. Yeah, yeah. They're, and and, they're, and they're, they're, their state of recidivism is at like 8%. Ours is at like 63%. So we have the highest rate of recidivism in the world. Um, but... But it's because they're getting getting you ready to go back into society. You let me out of a cage and told me to go home. That's what you gave me $200 gate fee and told me to go home. You gave me $200 and said, get on a train, get on a bus, get, you can't get on a plane. You know, so you got to either get on a train or get on a bus or get have somebody come pick you up. Here's $200. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the money that we made off your head every day. Get up out of here. No plan except for me to go see another man to tell me I got to pee, I got to do this, I got to do that. There's no plan to say, hey, before you get out, let's get you reacquainted to the real world. Like, hey, you know what? There's no longer MySpace anymore. There's this thing called Facebook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, or, right. you know what? This is what an average apartment is going to look like. 
this is how grocery shopping is. Like they go to the store in Sweden. They go to a store that's built on their prison and they have like plastic bags. Like they just went into the grocery store and there's, mm, no, okay. there's no prison uniform. You're just wearing like shorts and shirt, shoes because they want you to feel normal. Here in America, they make you feel like a fucking animal, treat you as such, take away your name, give you a number and then tell you, go ahead and get up out of here. So I'm going to ask a question for people that may be wondering the same, and I don't want it to be an ignorant question, but I'm going to ask, do they provide some type of resources, but people don't take on the time or take the time or actually go and find out more about those resources? Is there an option? Because some, like, I'm not saying my cousin don't, but it's like certain things. It's like, for me, I feel like he got out. It's just like, okay, where the bitches at? Where the bitches at? I'm like, sir, you ain't got your social security card. Like, and I'm like, you're at the halfway house. I don't know. Do they provide certain information for people kind of like, oh, I ain't got time to really process. I don't know about halfway house. Um, halfway house is like the, where, where you go if you don't have nowhere to go and you're not ready to go into actual civilization yet, but you need to be, look, if prison was built like a halfway house, people would be way better off when they went home. Okay. That's how I feel. Um, I don't feel like the the uh, the system or the programs that are in place give a shit. Like, okay. they're there to get a grant, get paid to say that they hire convicts or they do this, that, and the third. But do they actually intrinsically put into people's lives? I don't believe that. I don't believe okay. that. I've never heard of a success story coming from a, one of the programs, except for AA or whatever it is, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. I, I I know people who got clean that way, um, but to say, oh, I got, I came from prison and now I don't want to do the things that I did anymore. That's only from somebody who's had a, like a, a terrible experience in prison. I was like, I'm never going back. <laughs> I'm going to do everything the right way. But to say, oh, there's a, th- there's a, a a system in place for me to succeed when I get out. Uh, I'll say this firefighters, right? If you have uh, three to five years or more, you can, you can apply for this thing called fire camp where you're actually on the front lines with firefighters. If something happens, you're trained like a firefighter, you eat like a firefighter, but when you get out and now three to five years is a long time. It takes six months to develop a passion, right? Right. Um, or I'm sorry, three months to, de- to develop a, a passion, six months to develop a habit for that passion to become a habit, right? And so now you've done three to five years and you're a firefighter. This is what you love and breathe. This is what kept you alive in prison, kept you going. And now you don't fought fires with the firefighters, but now you go home and you can't be a firefighter. What am I, what did all that, what did I do that for? What True. did I do that for? So it's like my life was, was okay to be a firefighter when I was locked up but now that I'm out I'm not good enough to be a firefighter like oh yeah that's that's gonna fuck somebody up for sure oh yeah so I that's why I say those kind of things in place um I I believe that the system should definitely look at each individual crime the way they look at each individual coronavirus case (laughs) like (laughs) yeah I mean like exonerate me or or label me for what I did in this case and not what you think I did. You know what I mean? So, um, but we don't have a system like that, unfortunately. No, I believe you. I know, I know the system. That's like, I don't know if that'll ever fully 
change or improve, especially for people of color. I just feel like it's a, a losing battle. I feel like we may take one step forward and a hundred thousand steps backwards. It's just like, you know, it's painful to think about all, all over social media. You're always seeing different stories, different states. Like if it's not one thing, it's another. And it's like somebody's reality. Sometimes it's easy to sit at home and be like, damn, that's crazy. But somebody's actually living it. So yeah. it's just crazy all the way around. But um. Oh my God, JC, thank you for doing this episode. Listen, I always say all my episodes are my favorite, which they are, but this is really one of my favorite episodes now. Like before it's even out, I'm gonna listen back to this episode. Like I just learned a lot. Like again, like hearing from someone that's experienced it, like you just talked about many different um, struggles and angles of being, um, you know, a dad and also being in the prison system and, you know, being a partner that's trying to do better for your partner and you're dealing with your own, you know, inner issues and everything. So I definitely appreciate this episode. I feel like my listeners will too. Um, I don't know if you have anything coming up. Um, if you want to tell the listeners where they can find your platform, if you have any upcoming projects or anything that you um, want to plug on here, now is your time to shine. Okay. Okay. Just, just real quick. Cause um, I'm, I'm going to send my listeners to this as well. So that you get my listeners as well. Um, but, uh, I took a break from the hashtag that's why podcast because uh, like I said, I'm in the process of moving um, and at the same time I'm going to school right now, um, but hashtag that's why podcast will be back in December um, awesome. and just, just so I can get some clarity and uh, but you can find me on all streaming platforms. If you haven't tuned into my, my podcast yet, Apple, Pandora, iHeart, Google, Spotify, I think Amazon. <laughs> so, um, so please feel free to check it out. Um, reach out to me. Uh, that's why podcast on Instagram, hashtag that's why I got Gmail hashtag that's why I got on um, Facebook and I'm always responding, you know, even though I'm not doing a podcast, I'm always here. I believe iron sharpens iron and that doesn't just go for men and men or women and women. That's for men and women. My podcast is for women to see the perspective of a man. So that gives them an insight to what their men could potentially be going through so um and this episode did just that i'm sitting here like okay you i learned a lot from a man's standpoint certain things i may not understand as a woman i think you broke it down nicely for women that are listening or may have whether or not their partner is in prison or not i think it's just good to know that men are battling some of the things you talked about and last question in case anybody's wondering do you still write songs i do, I do. you do i do why you ain't say that when i said plug your shit <laughs> why you ain't say that part so i i am I, I do highlight as a ghostwriter and that's the the that's the kind of the thing about being a ghostwriter you can't really plug too much so i mean how they gonna know you ghostwriter if you don't tell them you ghostwriter my bmi uh, <laughs> my okay. let them know JC, without letting them know because it's supposed to be a secret but it's not but okay yeah, um yeah. y'all heard what the fuck he said okay <laughs> But yes, thank you so much uh, for being a guest on here. And again, listeners, thank you for tuning in. This was such a great episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Until next time, bye. What's up, guys? Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of The Rosie Perspective. Oh my goodness, I literally love this episode. I just appreciate such real and raw conversation. So I appreciate JC for coming on once again to tell us his experience, his story. Make sure you guys go out, support his book on Amazon, follow him on Instagram. 
Also, make sure you come back to The Rosie Perspective next Wednesday. Another mini tings by now. You already know the rotation. So come back and find out what I'm talking about. Until next time, y'all. Bye.